Yeah, I'm just going to read from Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 30. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. This is the word of God. Good morning. Before the service, Dan prayed that the worship would take uh, the roof off the house. Did you follow the drama? I, th- I think he had, he could have done it all by himself, you know. <laughs> God, that was amazing. Also pre-service, you know, he just gave it away, didn't he? He's just coming back, you know, here to Tombridge Wells I, I, next year. I looked at whether they actually had drumming clubs because I would love a taiko drummer band, but there's nothing in the neighborhood, you know. The anyway, that's a shame. <laughs> so the little business first. You might have seen on the on the table there is there are some uh, open doors materials, so free to take. If you haven't read the book from Brother Andrew himself, and you don't like reading much. This is one for children, but you are free to read this as well. It's a little comic about the Open Doors uh, story. So it's just some other stuff. Sign up for the prayer news. The World Watch List every year, they publish something about the 50 most uh, persecuted countries in the world, and they're all listed here. And it gives uh, very good prayer information. So that's Open Doors, feel free and uh, use it. So when, when you haven't been somewhere for some time, you kind of notice little differences, do you? I think you do. So when, when we come here, we notice little differences as well, not just the big, new, wonderful screens, but, but also... <laughs> you know, slight different color and I wonder like why would that be <laughs> like <laughs> so so then I start looking around more but anyway the other things we we leave but I have that too with the Bible like I I read the, the new international version through as quick as possible and then over the year in meditation things and after Easter, I tried to read through the Bible again, but a different version. This time, the English, something English version, all of them are English, but this was some NSV or English New Version, something like that. 
and, and they come against different issues. And some of them I can be confused and makes you think. So Zechariah, you know the father of Joseph, he was a little bit hesitant accepting the pregnancy of his wife and the angel made so he couldn't talk. Then when, when uh, John was born, John the Baptist was born, his mother wanted to give him the name John. And the people said, no, 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 let's ask the dad, because this, this cannot be true. And then the dad comes, and did you notice that the people actually writing down the question for John, or for Zechariah, what his name should be? But he was not deaf. <laughs> he couldn't talk, he wasn't deaf. Strange, isn't it? Jesus calms the wave. We all know the story, comes the wave. And in the first uh, gospel, it says, the disciples were amazed. If you read the next gospel, it says, the disciples were terrified. If you read the third gospel, it says, the disciples were terrified and amazed. It's like... I often, when, when I'm traveling, I, I share with people that one of the lessons I've learned from the English, I can use you as the example, it's you read between the lines. You say something, but you mean something different. Yeah, you say, isn't it warm in here? Basically asking, can you please open the door? <laughs> it's like, so, I, I'm starting to do that. So then I say to people, I, I'm starting to read between the lines. In the, the New English Version, Paul says, there's nothing written between the lines. How does he read my mind, you know? There's nothing written. He, when he writes the gospel, there's nothing written between the lines. He says it as it is. So that goes my read, reading between the lines. Then Paul says in one church, I'm not a very good speaker, you know, I'm not as eloquent speaker as you are. And then he stays one and a half year teaching the church. Like, what is he teaching if he can't speak? So there are interesting things that you pick up. I was traveling with, uh, with another open doors guy a few months ago, and, and he traveled quite a bit with Brother Andrew, our founder, who's, by the way, turned 94 just last week. And he introduced him to one of the other open-door workers who got a week of training, walking with Brother Andrew, traveling. And then he said to Brother Andrew, uh, by way of goodbye, take care. It's just a very English, American way of saying goodbye, and, and to see you again, take care. So Brother Andrew says, no, come, come, come back, come back. And, and the guy very nervous because the founder, the director calls you back. So it's like, oh, going to be told off. And, and basically that's what Brother Andrew did. He says, within open doors, we don't take care. We take risks. So I started to look at the word risk. Starting to search in the Bible. If you, if you do a Google search or a concordance search on the word risk, 
there is no word risk in the Bible. You'd be surprised. You know? just, just search it this afternoon later on. What, what you find, tamarisk. <laughs> or frisk. But then if you, if you look a bit closer, there are three references in the New Testament to another person that he risked his life. That's what uh, the Bible first said. He said he risked his life. And by way of making it easy, I will start saying Epi. So Epi, the, the, the guy that Paul refers to, he risked his life. And there are three references in the New Testament about people risking their lives. So, but what is this to risk your life? Let's go for the first one, please, the, the little video clip. Two seconds, so you have to look very quickly. This is our grandson, if it works. Did you notice the new vocabulary of pastors and preachers? It's like, if it works. It's new technology. It's not working. Okay, no worries. But then the next one will be clear. Now, that's clearly risking your life, isn't it? Installing the air conditioner and someone holding you so you can do your work. That is risking your life. Next one, please. That's the other word. Next one, please. You know, the no, no, no. One back, please. One back. <laughs> so this is Henny risking her life. Or is she? Yes, please. This is me risking my life. I always had the dream to sit in the car and have a big bear next to me. And one of, the, one of my birthdays, Henny bought this big bear so I could put it next to me in the, dry, in the passenger seat and drive through the town. And it's so fun to see people watching you, like, what has he got next to his seat? You know? So if it would be a real bear, it would be risking. If the police would catch me, could that be a risk as well? I don't know, it's risking, risking. Next one, please. Now, would you risk your life eating this bar of chocolate? Snookers. You know, I wonder what's in it. You know, I probably ate it, but it's a risk that you're taking if you don't know whether something is original. And people in, in our kind of countries, they, they often get sick because something they ate or drank, which was a bit risky. Yes, please. Now, the guy loading this cart, he risked putting a bit more on. Was he a moron? No, that's, that's a play with words. No, he wasn't a moron. But he, he, he put a bit more on the cart. And the risk that he ran was that the donkey went up, you know? 
Risk. Next one, please. In 1991, after Central Asia opened up, Henry and I bought this camper van with a caravan and we drove from Amsterdam to Tashkent with the three kids in the, in the van. And I might have mentioned it here before, like our children were a bit younger at the time and we, we bought some Technic Lego and they were playing in the back of the car with Technic Lego all the time. And then when someone finished it, one of the other two would accidentally sit on top of it. But buying a van like this, driving six and a half thousand kilometers to Tashkent, was that a risk? Or was it faith? Risking faith. The next one, please. So, it was a step in faith, risking faith. When this happened, was that a risk too far? You know, our caravan, I said to Henny at one time when we were driving, this was on the way back, by the way, back from Uzbekistan three years later, like, hey, this caravan is overtaking us. <laughs> and then, <laughs> just, <laughs> so, Henny says, it's our caravan. <laughs> okay. So is it faith gone wrong? Too much risk? Next one, please. Before uh, we left to Uzbekistan, I did a quick training for blind training, for becoming a blind trainer, to, to give blind people a cane and help them to become mobile. And one of the trainers, they, he put me a blindfold on and he made me walk alongside a blind person. And he had me completely trust the blind person that where I was walking, that I wouldn't walk against the wall, that I wouldn't walk inside a hole. I had to put my risk, my faith in this blind person. The, the job of this guide was to lead you on a journey and successfully navigate obstacles. And when we wor worked with the blind children in Tashkent, it's quite amazing. They would, without the cane, without the stick, they would walk to a wall, normal speed, and stop right in front of the wall. They said, like, how did you know there was a wall? And basically, they trained their senses and, and the, the hearing and they picked on the echo from the footsteps that there was a wall and they had to stop. They picked up the echo when they walked under a tree by the leaves above, above the head, like, oh, there is a tree, now we have to be careful. So it, it, the guide's job is to train you to, to avoid obstacles. And, and the faith walk is basically similar. A faith walk is going in and taking godly risks. Sorry, the letters are a little bit small, but I think you can see them. Yeah? Godly risks. Now, godly risk, first of all, and, and I've used a little bit of my Google friend to find a couple of things related to godly risk. And godly risk, the first thing is it's rooted in identity. 
And the next one, please. Now, for a Christian in Iraq to live a godly, risky life is to be a Christian. And their identity was that they are Christians. So the mere fact that they are a Christian, their life is in danger. Because ISIS, as Islamic extremists, they might take an opportunity shot at you because you are a Christian. So you have to found your, your, risking, your, your risky life based on your identity. And that's not a copy-paste job. But when I go and, and go somewhere, I have to be myself. You know, if I copy someone else, then that might not work. And, and I'm a person that likes to make a joke, uh, laugh occasionally. When you saw that van, one time we came out of the mountains near Tashkent, and I was a bit tired, and driving to Tashkent, you have all these checkpoints, and the, the, the guy says, you have to stop, okay, you stop, you open your window, and, and they say, we have to check your van. And it's a camper van with lots of little cupboards and cubby holes and, and drawers, etc. And I said, no, you cannot. Big smile, because that's me, I'm always smiling, you know, it's not the American way, sorry Americans, but you know, a big natural smile, because if you copy, you can see that. So I said to the guy, no, you're not getting in my, my camper van. And he was a little bit shocked, but because I was smiling, he said, why not? Because I said, in, in this side, there is all weapons. And he looked at me, he said, what? I have to check if you got explosives and, and ammunition. And so I said, looked at him, still my smile. Yeah, this side is all explosive and, and TNT and whatever. I think he was really shocked by then. And he said, I've got to check if you got drugs and, and you know, hushies and that sort of things. Maybe thinking I'm from the Netherlands that you would have these things. <laughs> so I said to him, everywhere where there's no guns or where there's no explosives, there are drugs. And then by that time, you must have thought I was real nuts, still smiling. So he said, just go. <laughs> you know, if I would not have been myself and would have copied someone else, he might have looked through my smile, you know, and, and really have opened the doors and given me more difficult time with papers, etc., etc. But because I have my own identity, it's accepted, it works, you know, and, and it, it, so if you take certain risks being yourself, it, it can open doors. The next one, please. Godly risk is calculated. If you look at, at Peter and, and the boat, the story I've, I've told before is that when he gets out of the boat, he walks on the water to Jesus. But it's a calculated, godly risk that Peter takes because he waits for Jesus to call him. And after Jesus' call, he gets onto the water. And even now, there was something new in my mind coming up, like that's where the story stops, yeah, that Jesus lifts him up of the water. But now I started to think, he probably walked on the water back with Jesus on his hand. You know, it's not written, but... I'm not sure that Jesus took him as a piggyback, you know, on the shoulders. I think he must have walked back to the boat. But Peter was waiting 
for Jesus to say, come. So risk is calculated. When we went to Tashkent, we were waiting for God, basically, is there an open door to go? And I went to the embassy a couple of times, and then I got my visa, so we said, okay, next step, you know, and, and you go, and, and you just know that God is opening the doors to take the next step, and the next step, and the next step. So God, the risk is calculated. You just don't jump in a fire without knowing that God is there with you. Does that make sense? So Peter waits for Jesus to call him. Next one, please. For some of the, the background believers, the, the Muslim background believers, it means that they have to be baptized. Now, that is a calculated risk for them because after the baptism, there will be more violence. There will be more persecution. Because, uh, for example, a Muslim looks at it like, okay, before you said you were a Christian, but you could still go back. But now you've been baptized, it's pretty serious. So this means that we can chop your head off. So it's a very calculated risk for a Christian to go and have a public baptism. Because straight away, it can... We, when we first went to the hook in, in 2015-16, after ISIS came and so, I heard the stories that the Yazidis, they were taking videos of some Yazidi people that were baptized. And those videos, they went around through the social media, and two of them, there was of three guys that were baptized, and two of them were basically beaten up because of a video on social media. So when, when you get baptized in public, you take a godly risk, a calculated godly risk. This lady also, she calculated but, uh, to be baptized in private. She knew she had to be baptized, and this was in April. She wanted to be baptized, but not in public. So then they put her in the, in the bathtub, you know, throw in the water, baptize. She didn't feel like it was her time to be baptized in public like, like the other guys. So it's a calculated risk, and she, for her time, it's like, okay, better to be a little bit more careful. So a calculated risk doesn't mean you just do stupid. It doesn't mean it, it's uh, fatalism. You know, crossing the street, you still look left and right. You know, it's, it's not that, and, and some Muslims actually they say that they, they cross the street, if God wants me to, to be killed, then I'll be killed. That's not it. You know, we still have to look around and, and be careful. Godly risk is rooted in faith, not in fear. So when we travel, we sometimes have to get on planes. You know, and, and especially if you have a, a national plane from Tashkent to Bukhara, like this one. And, you know, I, I looked at the propellers and I looked, hmm, that's a strange shape. <laughs> you know, and, and then you have to get in and you have to fly on that plane, because otherwise you won't get anywhere. So if you're in the plane and you see all the, the butts, uh, the, the, the bolts and nuts on the side of the plane and, and the window, 
shakes, you know, it's, it's like, hmm. <laughs> but then, do I have to fear? One of uh, Open Doors people, which, which I, I listen to uh, a lot, he's called Jan Pitt, he was in Africa. And he flew quite a bit in Africa over countries where there were wars, etc. And when he got in a plane, he would say to, the, to himself, looking at the other passengers, you're lucky, because nothing will happen in this flight, because God still has a purpose with my life. So whatever happens, we get there safely. So sometimes when we get on planes, you just have no fear, but faith. You know, it, it's, it's an interesting risk, isn't it? But the, the, the risk is, is rooted in faith, not in fear. If we know we have to do something, you know, you have faith. Godly risks invites uncertainty. When the Israeli people fled slavery, they traveled in the wilderness for 40 years. The Christians from Nineveh, near Mosul, when ISIS came, they had to flee because they were Christians. If they were Muslim, they could have stayed. But because they're Christians, their future became uncertain. So they, they had a risk, and they had to run away from the death that was coming after them. So, and they lived in tent camps for two or three years. Very uncertain life. What, what's going to happen next? People started to emigrate because there was no hope, no future in that country. So if they wanted to remain a Christian, uncertainty continues. So their godly risk is the uncertainty of remaining in, in, in Iraq, remaining in a very uncertain world. And then when you ask them about, about their faith and so on, they said, you know, are, are you not questioning God where he was when you had to run away? And normally, the, most of the answers would be, no, our, our faith actually grew in God. Because if, we, if it wasn't for God, we would have all been killed. You know, and that, that was for them, it was a reality. They, they had to flee because if they stayed, they would have been killed, and God was with them in the fleeing, just as much as the Israelites went through the desert for 40 years. Godly risk invites uncertainty. This is a, a small little church in the east of Turkey, and I've met this pastor, a Presbyterian pastor, a Kurdish from background, Kurdish Muslim background, and he became a, a, a picker, a priest from the Presbyterian church in East Turkey. And, you know, it, it's to become a, a man of the cloth, so to say, it, it takes a persistence because the world sees that you have changed. It, it's a very obvious change in your life. And being a Muslim background person, they, they clearly can see by your face, by who you are, your nationality, oh, he used to be a Muslim and now he's a Christian. And it takes for him persistence to carry on. He walked on the streets of, uh, I think the town is called Marden, Marden. He walked on the streets and he was followed by a couple of Turkish uh, Muslims. And uh, they grabbed him and, uh, and he was sharing this with a big smile on his face. And they grabbed him and they started beating him in the street. 
And there was a lady on the balcony upstairs saying, hey, what are you doing down there? Stop it, what, what is all this noise? And the guy shouted upstairs to her like, oh, he's a Christian. And the lady called, okay, just carry on. <laughs> and and this, this guy, he was just sharing that with a smile. He says, I am fortunate enough to be persecuted by following Christ and, and ministering to this church. And the church is growing. You know, this is, initially it was just a handful of people after two or three years. I think now they have 150 people every Sunday and converts, you know, from Muslim background. But his, his thing is persistence, keep on going, despite all the, the, the beatings. Godly risk ensures growth. And that's what you can see. Because of the, the, the people are taking these risks to do a youth group, a youth camp in the mountains, far away. Because doing it in the city is forbidden. So they take them out of, uh, out of, the, out of the country on, into the mountains. And they have youth camps with Christian youth, non-Christian youth. And the church is growing because of the children, because they go home with the Bible. And in many cases, you know, the Bible is either be taken away, but sometimes the person take the Bible, the, the parents, and they start reading it. And the church is growing. It's the persistence and the keep on going of, of taking godly risks that gives a growth. There's a church in Tashkent, and just last Easter, there was like a hundred plus believers. They were worshiping together over Easter and the police comes in with the many policemen and, and the, the, the captain says, you arrest them all. You tie their hands, take them in the buses, take them to the prison police office. And then the, the pastor, he gets up and he says this to the, the captain. He says, what you are doing is wrong. These are God's people, and you are going against God. You have to fear God. You know, these are young children, pregnant, elderly. Let them go. Stop this arresting. Have mercy on them. And then even takes more courage, more risk. He says, if you have mercy on them, one day God will also have mercy on you. You know, and he will have grace over you and your family and children. And the commander kind of like, what's happening, you know? He, he, he stopped, he said, okay, stop, stop. Just like make video recordings of the people and ask them the questions why they're here, blah, 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 all, all the, the interrogation questions. And they started doing this, but all the, the people in the church, they were giving their testimony, why they became a Christians, how they became a Christian. And the, the, the police behind the cameras, they all got very nervous, like, we don't want to hear more of these stories. So the captain stopped that as well. And then he said, the people can go, you, you can all leave. Then the, the pastor says, again, this, this is taking a godly risk. He says, let me pray first. And then he prays for all. He, he prays for the policeman, he prays for the commander, he prays for the people that persecute the Christians, that God will reveal himself to them. And he's got this long prayer of 10 minutes or so, you know, and in the end they go. But 
that's taking a godly risk. And it, it's nearly guaranteed that his church will grow because of this, because of the, the risk the pastor has taken. The, the godly risk, it outweighs the costs. When you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that your life will be happy ever after. Someone in the office, he said, when you become a Christian, then you get in, to be in life, to, to become alive, and it basically means to be in danger. Just to be in life as a Christian is to be in danger. You know, and, and the Bible verse this morning was that Philip shared also. When you become a Christian, your road will not be even like the roads in Holland. I wouldn't say the roads in England, they're very bumpy. But becoming a Christian, you, it, it will be a bumpy road. It will be a life full of risks. Disappointments and road bumps are all part of the process. When, when you look at, uh, how do I call him, AP? He was asked by the church in Philippi to go to Rome to bring some money to, to Paul who was in prison at the time, in prison. He walked 800 miles you know, to bring that money. And then he was sick in prison. He heard with, with Paul, when he was serving Paul, he heard that the, the church in Philippi was praying for him. And he walks all the way back. He takes a letter from Paul, gives it to the people there. You know, and, and he is alive. And, and the people get encouraged. Paul is encouraged. He actually built a church, they say, in the, the church in Colossians that might actually have been started by, uh, by AP. So it's, it's a lot of cost for the guy. 800 miles back, 800 miles for walking with, with a lot of money on you. But the risk outweighs the cost. And then we look at the last one. When, sorry, yeah, you can go to the next one. When you scroll a little bit up in Philippians, then you come actually to my hobby horse. Let's let that same attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You know, that took the, the, the shape of a servant and was obedient to death. AP actually took lots of godly risk to go to Rome, back to Philippi. When you look at the church in Central Asia, when you look at the persecuted church in general, they take many risks. You know, and then I'd be quite happy to say that as Open Doors, when you look at, at AP, this is basically what Open Doors, what we are allowed to do. We, we can take some physically money to the Christians in Central Asia, in other countries, so we can pay for their ministry. We take letters of encouragement. You know, we, we sometimes children make drawings and we take them to the church there and, and the church really is encouraged by, by this part of our ministry. You know, we bring food, we do other things. We go back and we go forth. And by being there, we learn from the church. So we take the encouragement from, from the persecuted church back to our churches. And it's basically what, what, what Epi is doing. Going back and forth, being encouraged, being an encourager, and going back and forth, taking the godly risks, having the attitude of Christ, being Christ-like, you know, and, and let's concentrate on that. When 
we go into onto the streets, not just to cross without looking, but, but when you see people maybe take a godly risk, greet in the name of Jesus. You know, when you so, do something else, you see whether you can take a godly risk and, and what it does with you and, and how, will, how God will bless you. So these are some of the things that we can learn from the, the church in persecution. Let's just stand for a moment and, and close in prayer. Jesus, when you had become a man, you humbled yourself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, earth. and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, every tongue will confess. You know, also tongues in, in counties and, and areas where we can't get into. Lord, we, we pray for the ministry of, of the, the church leaders, of evangelists in, in the closed world, that you protect them, that you help them to live life full of godly risks, you know, and that it can be a blessing to the people around them. We pray for ourselves, Lord, that we will have this attitude of you that we can go around and people see Christ in us. Not just because of things we do or say, but just who we are, that Christ will radiate from our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this fellowship and, and thank you, Lord, for your presence here. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, Werner, and uh, do grab Werner, grab Hanny, grab some open doors information, literature. Um, thank you for, bless you too for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Come on, I'm just going to pray. Werner and Hanny, just may you know him guiding you every step. Thank you, Lord. As we, we saw that photo many years ago, <laughs> the camper van, Lord. Thank you for our brother, our sister, who've been with us today, who we've journeyed with for many years in this church. Thank you for their service to you. Thank you for who they are. Bless them, we pray. Encourage them as they encourage others. Thank you, Lord, that they've taken risks and, and been led by your Spirit. Thank you that they continue to serve you. Thank you that they continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. Encourage and we pray and bless you and praise you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing as we sing. God is mighty to save.